Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Okay, friends, welcome back to another Performance Matters podcast. Bob Mosier here, as I was introduced uh, yet again in the introduction. It's so great to have you all here. We are hoping that this podcast finds you safe and well. Wherever in the world you are tuning in, please know we are thinking about you. And by all means, if there's anything we can do to support you in the five moments or beyond, you know we are here and with you in this. So please let us know. This particular episode will be one of my favorites. It's kind of a combination of two because of the nature of the wonderful colleague we have joining us. This is what's called an Experience Matters podcast, which are by far our most popular for obvious reasons. It's when we get folks out there doing this that step in and are wonderful enough to share their journey. And today our friend will do that. At the same time, I can't help but believe this one blends over to me into the strategy matters because of the courageous leader you're about to meet and the way he has not just experienced five moments and workflow learning in some powerful ways. He's also done some remarkable strategic work in his organization and bringing them along to the discipline and, and really enabling them to be a better company for it. So it's kind of a merger of both. It is my honor to introduce a dear friend of mine, known quite a while, absolutely admired his work over the years, uh, Mark Wagner from the Hartford. Welcome, Mark. Great to have you here. Thanks, Bob. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks, my friend. Let's let's start. I never do introductions, Mark. I don't like to read from cue sure. cards or do that kind of stuff. So let's let's do a little history and context before we begin, sort of how you got here. Give us a bit of your background, sort of how did you arrive at your current position in the Hartford and a bit about how performance support and or workflow learning came about in your journey? So, yeah. So before I came to the Hartford, I had a very long learning career at Progressive Insurance. And the cool thing about Progressive was that they had grown so fast for so long, it was constantly adding new talent to their organization all the time, they decided that we're going to grow our own talent organically, internally. And really, the people who are now running the company are all entry-level employees who grew up through their environment and succeeded. So it was quite the journey for me to, you know, see some of these people grow up from (laughs) young people all the way to having families and being senior executives. After, you know, helping thousands of people learn their job, the Hartford called me one day and said, you know, we understand that Progressive does a great job of growing its own talent, and we'd like to do that at the Hartford. After talking to them for a while, I decided to take on a new challenge and take a lot of the things that I learned at Progressive over to the Hartford. And what I'll say about that, when you have a fast-growing organization, one of the things that's very important is that you organize your content, make sure people can get to it. The idea that processes rule in insurance companies is very important. So it was very natural for us to take a performance support strategy at Progressive, and I brought that with me to the Hartford. 
Excellent. So let's move up to here and now, my friend. Tell us about your team and sort of how you've orchestrated yourselves there from your learnings at Progressive. And in particular, which we're going to talk quite a bit about, tell us about this wonderful platform that's evolved there called the KMT. Give, give our group the background on, the, on both of those. So probably about a year after I did come to the Hartford, I got the message that the content that people were using internally was in very bad shape. It was kind of scattered all over the place, no format to it, no way to organize it. Compliance teams were involved, process teams were involved, learning teams were involved. And, you know, I always referred to it as kind of the Tower of Babel internally. So they were very interested in myself making a recommendation. And I already in my mind had workflow learning as the key to it, organize it in a workflow, get the content into one platform, start to gatekeep how the content was organized and make sure that there was a strategy behind it. I had actually looked at maybe four or five platforms that were available internally. And then, you know, I was told, wait a minute, we're going to upgrade all of our Microsoft products. And I said, oh, I think that if we're going to get a new version of SharePoint, we could make use of that as the actual platform. And because it was already being supported at an enterprise level, I knew I had the backbone. So basically what I had to do was find some of the people that did work with me at Progressive, bring them over to the Hartford and start to decide how could we manipulate SharePoint in somewhat the way we had manipulated it at Progressive. But I will tell you this, we did not have that newest platform. So mm. you know, we knew we were going to do some very different things with this new SharePoint platform. So, you know, the way to harness that is you start to break off a group of your learning professionals and make them a content design group that only worries about creating this new environment. And we did that. We built the team very quickly. Initially, we started with about five people. Now we're up to 10. Wow. And they are the ones that pretty much are in charge of the KMT. Now, what does KMT stand for? Knowledge management tool. When we started this work, we decided to uh, patent <laughs> it and you know yeah. take this acronym to a patent level. So wow. that was kind of cool. So tell me a little bit more about that team, Mark. What makes them up? I mean, we get a question quite a bit. Is this an ID's next step? Can any ID do? I, I, I do think any ID can do this, but is there a characteristic or a, a way of thinking or a specialty or an expertise or a competency? You know, all those words we use. What was your thinking around building out this team and, and how do they sort of see themselves, if you will? So, you know, they definitely see themselves as architects of a content infrastructure. And mm. we are very influenced by your thinking and Khan's thinking on how do you do this analysis? Mm. Initially, you know, it was let's get people in a room. Let's do some rapid workflow analysis. Let's let the users tell us 
how do they get at their content? Mm. They get it from how important is it to their workflow, et cetera. So they are initially more skilled at doing that type of analysis and then turning it into an infrastructure and wireframing it up before they do anything else. Wow. If you were an instructional designer, you may think of it as that phase where you're actually doing the analysis of needs, but doing it with content. Yeah. Wow. So building is one thing, Mark. Another question we get, which again, you, you've done so remarkably, I think there is, you know, get lean the horse to water and get him to drink is two different things. So in any organization, I'm sure when you got there originally, it was very steeped in what you and I would call training, if you will. And, I, and I'm always careful when I get to this question because I'm not bashing that as an approach. You and I both know that there's always a degree of that. It's, it's amongst the five moments, so to speak. But it is very often for many organizations a pivot in thinking about why they come to you, what they ask you for, what they expect out of you. And then this whole new platform, this isn't an LMS or e-learning or things that people outside of learning know the acronyms and are familiar with. How can you take us through, how did you socialize this thing and how has it changed the way that the Hartford views your department and, and, and maybe the things you build in general? I would think the first step is letting people know that once you put this into place, you are going to integrate it heavily into your new to role experiences. So instead of the learning event being, let's throw a bunch of knowledge and a bunch of word pro documents at you or, or whatever, it's, we're going to help you learn how to navigate your performance support as part of your learning experience. Mm. And if you think about it, it's a very natural process because your learning uh, facilitator becomes a person that's actually just guiding them through the use of the performance support and then applying scenarios to it. And then literally kind of, integrating it into live work fairly quickly. So Mm -hmm. if you take the learning experience first, that's get good at navigation, get good at figuring out how to search for things, maybe even throwing in a dose of learning in the moment that's embedded right in the performance support, you then say, okay, now we're turning our sites to real live work. Let's get you in a learning lab together. Let's get some real work and let's let you use that performance support against that real work. Wow. You know, and, and what learner wouldn't like that? I mean, I mean right. If, exactly. right? what do you describe? I mean, versus sitting through, you know, I, I wrote a blog recently on the, you know, there's so much they need to know before we let them do anything was a quote I got from someone I was an L&D person I was talking to. And I said, what do you mean need to this? Oh, my gosh, we don't dare let them touch stuff. <laughs> until until we take them through all the stuff they have to know. I said, well, can you give me a sense of when you say need to know, what? give me volume, give me time. He goes, oh, our average, our average what we call knowledge courses are three to five days long. Wow. Exactly, wow. Mark. I did they had the exact same. I said, so you sit people in a room of, frankly, probably PowerPoints or SOPs or binders for three to five days of know-it stuff? If I just described that to a learner and said, here's option A. Let me show you option B that Mark's doing over here. 
where you're going to come in to a, a living lab with the work that you do, shown and taught tools to survive when you're done and going to make you work at those things better and you're going to practice. I don't understand why this has been rocket science to folks for so long. I'm assuming it was received well by your group. Well, it was. And, you know, as we rolled it out, we did it business unit by business unit. Nice. And this was just how I would kind of kick it off to my team. I would say, okay, we now have the KMT for this line of business. Let's burn the PowerPoints. Brilliant. And it truly was kind of a, <laughs> you don't need that anymore. Wow. Those bullet points that you had in that PowerPoint mean nothing because now you have the steps. Now you have the deeper dives in the knowledge pieces. Yeah. Now you have some embedded learning right where you need it. This is how you're going to run your learning experience, not through a PowerPoint. Wow. It is a little bit of different thinking for the facilitators. They see those PowerPoints as their crutch. You almost have to really take them away. You have to say, you are going to help people learn how to use this. And this is what our expectations are of you as a facilitator. And how they do with that? Can I ask another? Again, but you're hitting on all the hot points here. That's another one we get often is there's bringing the organization along, which you explained business by business and such is also bringing the other stakeholders in learning, i.e. And, and, we, and I love that you pivot on the classroom as a place to begin this journey for learners. And then and, and it is a change for the facilitator. Were they OK with it? How did you do that a little bit? I'll be honest with you. It's not easy. And there were times when like I'd be in a huddle with a group of facilitators and they'd bring up a topic or say something. And then all of a sudden I'd see a PowerPoint being flashed up on the screen. We don't, we need to change that. And I'm, I'm like, what is that? And I'd get responses like, Oh, I know <laughs> I got to dump that, you know, I, you know. So it isn't like it happens overnight and everybody just drinks the Kool-Aid and says, oh, yeah, I get it. I'm going to get good at facilitating this way. When the learner starts to expect it, mm. that's very helpful. So when one group has a KMT and they move into a different line of business and there has to be some form of learning experience, one of their first questions is, Where's my KMT? Yeah, that's brilliant. You know, how am I going to get good at this job? And to be honest, that's how people sometimes profile their next job <laughs> is wow. by going to the performance support and say, huh, I'm going to nose around in here wow. and see if I can get a feel for what this job is like before they even apply for a job. Wow. So it's kind of worked its way into the culture quite a bit of how I even go about moving my career in a different direction. Wow. What a powerful statement to how much a part of the DNA this thing becomes. So friend, this is a perfect segue to my next question because now COVID, here you're chugging along as the Hartford, stunning organization, insurance, blah, 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 standard calls, typical claims. You got your specialties, the whole deal. And then our world flips upside down and insurance clearly is on everyone's mind. There's parts of it that are as it always has, frankly, but more so now saving people's lives. And so take us through the scenario, which I think is so powerful and probably the highest testimony to your work, because it's one thing to cruise along when life's good and things are normal. 
Mm -hmm. I think I think the proof in the pudding of anything when times get tough or critical or of a crisis, the things that are powerful, important and work boil to the top. So tell me what happened there and how you helped handle what came up. You know, I can give you two different points that were really important. So initially, COVID hits our organization, which was already a very remote worker type of environment. Mm. In some parts of the company, it was as much as 60% of the staff were wow. already. But we did have to move 40% remote with them. So we went completely remote. So definitely the KMT took on a real role just to make sure that when people are in their home by themselves, their coworker isn't on the other side of the queue, <laughs> that's gone. And this ensured that everybody had what they needed through the performance support to be able to do their job at home. So that was point one. Point two, which started to become very relevant very quickly, we're a multi-line insurer. And obviously you have auto and property insurance. You're not having a lot of losses. People aren't moving around very much. You know, <laughs> they're home, all that volume's going down. But guess what? We have disability benefits. Yeah. yeah. That starts to skyrocket. So we were being asked very quickly by the organization, can we get some help to the areas that are starting to really boil up with a lot of volume? So we had to set up classes. We moved hundreds of people into those roles to help support the work that needed to be done. And we had the backbone of the KMT to do that fairly quickly. Mm. I was so proud of my learning organization because I'd sneak into virtual classrooms and I'd see them quickly getting people up to speed with that performance support. Wow. Um, you know, and because they were knowledgeable professionals and had used the KMTs in their own areas, it wasn't that big of a move for them to be able to do it in another area. And to be honest, we were hearing things in some of the uh, surveys like, boy, I really like this part of the company. I may have found myself a <laughs> home. <laughs> that was kind of cool to see people saying, oh, I kind of like this part of the business. Maybe I'll stay here. So it speaks so highly, though, to another thing you've done there instinctively or intentionally. And that is that Khan always talks about, you know, there's the five moments of need, right? There's new, more, blah, 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 blah. He feels that the one of the most misunderstood of the five from an L&D perspective is the concept of more. Because when you look at people's training, delivery, design and such, it really always pivots around new, even for upgrade classes or these kinds of things. He says we don't use it in an instructional principle of adults called generalization, which means as an adult, not a child, but I can generalize once I have a certain base knowledge or expertise into other areas by transferring the principles and then adjusting. And what you just described is a brilliant gold standard example of that, because these are insurers. They understand the word claim. They understand the area they came from. Clearly, there's I, I, I get there's a difference. and I don't mean to downplay that. It sounds like what helped made the journey 
go on top of the brilliant work of your of your instructors and the, and the virtual part was the foundational understanding of navigating and using and trusting the KMT and in the way in which you could kind of move the pieces around on the chessboard so people can make that leap from one piece to another. Is, is that kind of how things happen for those folks? It did. And, you know, I, I'm going to use an analogy when I was trying to get the senior leaders to conceptualize what I was trying to build. I used this example. So, you know, I was listening to the radio one day and one of my favorite songs came on from my past, Easy to Be Hard, you know, from, uh, from <laughs> yep. seriously, from here. I and uh, I, I love that song. And you know, made me do just this deep dive into the Three Dog Night version, which I really like. You know, and Three Dog Night is just a very strange name for a band. So then you start to think about, well, where did they get that? And it has its roots in Australia that says when it's really cold, you have your dogs come and, you know, wrap themselves around you. It's a Three Dog Night. And then you want to dive in a little bit further. So so tell me a little bit more, you know, that's a weird name. And how did that all come about? Well, it, there's three singers and Three Dog Night wasn't really a bunch of musicians. It was really just three singers who had incredible voices and came together. The best one was Chuck Negron, who actually sang the song Easy to Be Hard. So when I would tell people what to expect out of your KMT, that was kind of the more piece of it. Adults want to know what is in front of them, yep. the song. And if you give them that very quickly, yep. they'll move on with their work. But if they have more time and they want to get better at something, yes, you have to give them that more yes. and that more until they say, oh, okay, now I'm an expert at three dog night. <laughs> you well, know? you know, Mark, Mark, this is where I, you know you've seen me pound the pyramid forever. And and what you just outlined brilliantly is that, sure, the pyramid helps initially people get just what they need or they you know the, the levels helps them. But the missing piece that you're describing that we found from leaders like yourself who've gone beyond the initial maturity of this discipline is that we're in the business of professional development and your leaders want you to enable and create self-sustaining learners, those that can grow, frankly, without you, not that they ever would, but with the inclination and, and the appropriate guidance. And what you described is, sure, performance support has that help-like system that swoops in and plops in front of you what you need. But what you just described is that it is also, if built right, like your KMT, and like you saw the jump between the different departments, I can go back, I can go deeper next time, I can, on my own, grow myself professionally into a new role or better at the one I'm at through the power of the pyramid in a tool like this and not have to go back for instruction. And you probably don't know about half of those instances of that that's happening or more because they happen in the workflow when people are using the tool. Right, exactly. We definitely put hooks in there to see where people are going in the system. One, one of the biggest use of video mm. that we have in our performance support deals with that deepest piece of content knowledge. And nine times out of 10, when we create a video, it's a subject matter expert doing three minutes on whatever part of the workflow and the 
problem solving or decision making that needs to be done in that step. And if a person can just listen to a subject matter expert, give them here's the three things that you should really pay attention to when you're in this part of the workflow, because here's what happens. You're really kind of getting that person that next piece of information or next piece of how do I mm. make good decisions? And that's really important and will be even more important as some of our, you know, automated systems oh, yeah. take care of the workflow. Yeah. Wow. So, friend, brilliant, as always. Let me kind of wrap here with this. I, believe, I can't believe the time has gone by so quickly. If you're sitting down with another learning leader, we have a number who listen to this. Many are sitting back at a different stage of the journey, clearly, right? And and so if you're sitting down with a leader and who's just starting to guide their team through this, what advice would you give them both strategically and tactically and, and want to get their teams and want to be perceived and seen and build work like you've done? I think the first thing is to say, I want to change the way people learn. And I think I can make it more efficient. Shorten your time to competency. I can give them a tool that they use both in the learning experience and on the job all in one. And I want you to support me in that journey. That, you know, that's kind of step one. Step two is, in my mind, worry more about how you're going to organize the content than the technology. Mm that's going to help you. And if you make it off the top, I need to spend millions of dollars to bring you this vision. Yeah. <laughs> you're never going to get started. I think the better way to do it is figure out how can I do this? What technology can support me? And then as people see the value, you can probably morph it into a better technology or a technology that can support you better in the future. And part of that, if it is that good of a technology, it may make it even seamless that you get your content in your workflow into that new technology without even really having to do much to it. Because guess what? That's why it's good technology. It takes what you have and puts it in there in a very easy way. So. Don't let the technology stop you from getting it in a format that makes sense and always tie it into, and this is how it's going to evolve our learning in the company. Methodology over technology. Oh, absolutely. Well, hey, my friend, as always, my gosh, your generosity and, and openness to share your experience has always been admirable. Just love your work and your leadership in this area. We cannot thank you enough for taking time today and what is Clearly a crazy time, but as always, your willingness to share with others is just tremendous, Mark. Thanks so much. Appreciate you being here. Be well and safe. My pleasure. Thanks, Bob. You too. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.the5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.